0: i don't know how you get lose yourself out of that that's definitely elevator music to me
1: anyway <laughs> i'll welcome. have to remix it for you whoa, whoa, whoa. i'll have this to is, do it i'll have to intro. do it and then you'll hear it, it takes a little soul it okay. needs, a, oh, needs oh, to yeah. be slowed
2: down a little bit i think
0: that's good the soul remake of lose yourself i'm sure that one will be a hit <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, welcome back to the underdogs podcast in the dog house uh hosted by justin myself dakota where every week we try to bring on somebody to attract new listeners because we can't seem to do it just on our own. <laughs> True story. Casey, what's going on? Thanks for being with us.
2: Of course, yeah. Thanks for having me come on, guys.
0: We, uh, I, I felt it only right to bring Casey on, particularly for a QA and a episode, since every week he's usually answering the questions for us in the comments section.
1: <laughs>
2: 100%. I haven't been as active the last couple of weeks. This, this time slot is uh right after we, we started a, a session of swim lessons my son so oh. i'm i'm normally like at a pool right now so i haven't that's been good. as active the last couple of weeks swim that's okay nice
0: we're fortunate to have you this time no. um so so this week's a little bit different usually we do some sort of recap we get into like recent topics for our camp and other things and this week what we wanted to do was do more of a uh, mailbag style q a so we asked some people questions on instagram throughout the week we got a few that we think are really good to cover in the show but obviously if anybody has one that pops up over the course of the episode you're welcome to uh drop them in the comment section and we'll try to touch on them um before we get going justin any uh any relevant news you want to bring up anything you want to drop live on here no <laughs> all right. well, that's, that's, uh, that's all I got then. Dakota, thank you for, thank well, a you for moving.
1: Well, thank no, you. So we have like big announcements that are coming up, but I can't divulge them here yet. Yeah. But yeah. But I mean, I can tease by saying we have some big announcements coming up in the next few weeks.
0: I try not to do that because every time we do that, I feel like the announcements fall through and then there's nothing to say. But anyway. they're
1: not going to fall through. They actually happened already. No. Like they're happening or happened. They just haven't been announced yet.
3: Or Kiefer puts out a big one. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Everyone already knows that that wasn't that big of an announcement, but thanks. True.
1: Yeah. It, Kiefer, if it was like prospective things, yes, I would agree to you that it would be jinx, but there are things that are already occurring.
0: Whatever. Uh, Dakota, thank you for moving. Just so you have a better background for the show.
3: Yep. Actually, you can't see it, but the pool is looking nice. Can't see anything because
0: all you got is this blinding light, like
3: I've got coming in.
0: You I'm gonna do. I'm, I'm gonna do a whole
3: ring light, and you know, yeah, we, we got a little cool, office yeah, situation like going yeah. on. I want
0: some like uh, red velour on the walls and stuff. Can't you see um, the red? The red. Okay. All right. Pretty. I'm gonna run through here. I'm gonna pick a question. We're gonna start off with Casey. No time cap on this. Get all the time you need.
2: Uh oh, you better be careful.
0: I know. Stroke is rolling around in his grave. He's like, Cut him I off. Can talk. off at some point. He's yeah. rolling um, on his bike, is what he's doing. Casey, favorite age group quarterfinals workout and your least favorite, and why? But we'll start with favorite, actually. We'll go there. These workout things always get Justin and I going because he gets super grumpy. And <laughs> then I try to have a positive perspective. So you guys always you get disagree going on it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, always kisses CrossFit's ass.
0: <laughs> I'm, a, I'm optimistic. I don't think that us bashing anything helps us get anywhere.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I, I liked the age group quarterfinals overall. Um, definitely had some thought. some things I would have probably done a little differently if I was the one calling the shots. Um, but overall I liked them. I thought they were pretty balanced because um, I, I liked them more than the individual uh, quarterfinals. I just thought there was a little bit too much craziness. Um, like I, I always want there to just be the athletes just be able to like express their fitness. Um, so a little too much craziness in the, in the individuals. Um, hey, shh. sorry. That's my, my dog's crying. Cause I have other friends other than her. That's uh, okay. I <laughs> got Dakota.
0: Dakota needs a battery and a smoke alarm. So, <laughs>
2: um, No, yeah. So, so my, my favorite one was probably number one. It was the, um, lunge variations and gymnastics variations. Um, that one that probably wouldn't have been my initial favorite just looking at them, but I feel like, um, that one really had a lot more fitness aspect to it than I thought it was going to. Um, I I thought that one was just going to be like all the gymnastics freaks. were just going to be able to dominate that one. Um, The times were ended up being a lot faster than I thought they were going to be. Um, And so I think it really just came down to like people's capacity as well as their like pacing and strategy. Um, the, The people that were able to, you know, manage grip fatigue and not let that really become a limiting factor. And just, it just came down to their ability to keep moving. Um, it seemed like kind of were the were the ones that came out on top. So I think I probably liked that one the most. Um, as far as the one that I disliked, well, I, I should say, I I feel like I would have really liked the Uh, the AMRAP that was before the AMRAP lift combination. Those are, those are usually like my favorite types of workouts because I feel like it helps to kind of balance out strengths and weaknesses the most. Um, but the, the AMRAP, I think the, and and I like AMRAPs that kind of come down to again, kind of that same idea, the ability to just almost turn it into an aerobic piece. The, the fittest people are able, able to just kind of keep moving. Um, but I I think that the handstand pushups compared to GHDs and box jumps, it just, the GHDs and box jumps just became rest for people to stay unbroken on the handstand Mm pushups so that you didn't have to do extra wall, 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 wall walk reps. Um, yeah, it's almost like
0: you, you could have just done a five minute AMRAP of all facing strict handstand pushups and you would have the exact same outcome. And that's exactly. when, I think that's what you're saying. That's when I don't like workouts. Is like, if you broke this down and you just picked that one thing that's bottlenecking and that would be the same outcome, then it's not the fun of a workout anymore. You just assume who's best at a single skill.
2: Yeah. And I think you could have probably had a workout with the same movements, but mm. structured it in a way that everything there is a fitness aspect of it and not just who's going to have the best handstand pushups and who's going to be able to recover on the other things, the best to keep them unbroken. Um, so that I guess maybe that was my least favorite but it had the potential to be my favorite cuz I I do like the I like that combination of movements and and to honestly I like the idea of having GHDs in a workout in a way that it's not just this big huge set that it just becomes a pacing piece also. So I just think maybe a, a change in the in the rep scheme there where you still could have you know had an advantage by having the capacity to attack those movements. Mm -hmm. Um, but still, you know, you know, keep it in that, that cyclical kind of, uh, again, whoever has the best general fitness is going to do the best here. Um,
0: yeah, I I, feel like, I feel I feel like I always try to see, like, did it at least appeal to one side of the crowd? And that workout in particular was like, if you were really fit and go to that movement, it was just a transition workout, which is not a whole lot of fun. And if you couldn't do the movement, you literally couldn't even start the workout.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which there were some people that were on the boat there. And it's like, yeah, you know, let's, if we can try to structure this in a way that there's still a workout there or, you know, maybe, maybe maybe the age range that they had the the switch to the standard handstand push up was a little bit too old maybe they should have started that a little bit younger because again then it's still the people that are best at handstand push ups are probably going to have an, a little bit of an advantage there mm-hmm. um, and everyone that signs up for this thing is going to have a workout that they can do and not just 12 minutes or whatever the amrap was of of handstand of trying to do handstand push ups when they can't get any reps in Right. Um, I did, of course, I think I, I probably, a, a lot of people are on the same boat here. Didn't love the, the, thousand shuttle, shuttle, runs, the thousand shuttle run workout, which like, honestly, I, I think that the idea is maybe there so in some way, a workout that it's like, it's hard to do endurance based workouts in an online format in the truest sense of, of just something that's long. Um, but I I think that that's, that just maybe wasn't the best structure to it. Again, I think you probably could have turned that into like a, a 20 rounds of, Mm. you know, 10 shuttle runs or or whatever, 20 rounds of, of six shuttle runs with the bench press and rope climb in there. Um, and it still would have had that, that longer aerobic feel without it being, as Rich Froning said, the, the, most, the boring most boring workout, workout he's ever done. Workout. And it, a workout that has bench press in it, which should never right. be the most boring workout that anybody does. That should be right. a fun workout. Um, didn't didn't love that one because of the structure. Uh, I get the idea, but I think it could have been, again, there could have been some changes there. Um, and I love the, the 27, 21, 59. I love that as a power type test for, the age groups, um, it's, you know, threshold pace and it's, uh, it's nastiness. And I like that, you know, it it seems like a lot of times in the quarterfinals workouts that are kind of, let's say like the power threshold, they've put the the heavy ish barbell Mm -hmm. in there a lot of times, um, where for, you know, maybe 70% of the field, that's somewhat of a limiting factor. Um, where in this case it's like you know ninety five sixty five who can hold on to it that sh- the strength there isn't really the limiting factor we have a strength workout elsewhere um, who's just willing to push the row slightly more uncomfortably than you want to who's willing to hold on to thruster sets a little bit longer than what you would like to um, and that's that's probably one of my favorite open workouts of all time I'm probably I might be in a minority there but. Um, I don't like it personally. I don't like doing it, but just as far as like a test of fitness, I I think it's, I think it's really good.
1: It's good. And I also think the placement of the workout as the final workout where, spots two semis were on the line. So you got to show a lot of guts there. Like if you yeah. want it, you got to fucking go for it. Yes. And if you, and it's good, the people that, I mean, obviously got to have the capacity, but if you, if you're willing to die for that spot, like that's the perfect workout to have to die on.
0: And so you can, you're not going to be so sore from it, from volume, from whatever that you can't do it again, but you're sure as hell going to be scared to do it a second right. time. And that happened with some yes. hard people as they did yeah. it Saturday afternoon and Sunday morning came and it's like, we don't know what the leaderboard looks like. You better fucking go get 10 more seconds out of this if you yeah. can.
1: Yeah. That was good for sure. Yeah.
3: And for that one, especially, like I looked at them a little bit deeper in terms of the age age group changes. So, like you mentioned, the, the handstand push ups, I mean, they went from wall facing, but it was still strict when they changed it. It was they, they got the face away from the wall. So they omitted that one wall walk. But I thought the strict handstand push ups for like 55, 60, 65 was still maybe a little bit much. But like the, the 27, 21, 15, nine, they just took a few pounds off the bar and it was just as nasty, just as, uh, you know, comparable for like every change. I thought that was good. Yeah.
0: Next question. Next one. All right, all right, all right,
1: all right. <laughs> We're not going to get to any questions if we... <laughs> if we start.
0: We
3: can stay on this all I day. So. Okay.
0: okay. Um, <clears throat> how many off-season competitions
3: should I do? Whoever hits the buzzer first gets first crack at it. Well, this was my question last time. You know, this was one of the ones that a couple of our in-house people were asking. You know, if you're looking at like quarterfinals and then maybe the Open as your season, it's like a month long, two months long. So for me, like that's a a big thing that I'm thinking about is off-season competitions where I can get more exposure um, and, you know, try and like brush shoulders a little bit closer to the competition level that I want. (laughs) I literally went and got the 15 foot ladder last night just as a sidebar and changed the thing so I could sleep. And then it just started going off again about an hour ago. We so. just
1: keep the code around for comic <laughs> relief every week. Yeah. There's just something else that pops up. He well, thinks he's got everything covered, and then it's the no battery in the
0: smoke. We we can't uh, interrupt him. We gotta let him get through his bit But, so can but no, I mean there. that
3: was my alley oop for you know, honestly, a little bit more of a Justin and Kiefer response. Um, mm-hmm. because I'm I feel like I'm in that boat where my competition timeline is a little bit shorter um and so we've already looked towards some of the off-season stuff like for me norcal classic and Wadapalooza are really like the two big ones i want and so i'm thinking you know one to three kind of bigger ones where maybe you're doing like an online qualifier you're kind of changing a little bit of the flow of your regular training and then like there's a couple local ones that pop up and honestly those don't really change any flow of what my regular week is like. So if someone wants to do like a fun Valentine's day partner competition, honestly, I don't really look at it that much as a, uh, a change in my training. So, I mean, if I want to do two or three of those, I don't feel stressed about it. It's fun. It's something that, you know, get to go out and hang out with some buddies or do something local in the community. But uh, yeah, big competitions. I mean, two for me is, is what I think is good. Um, Coach, what do you think?
1: Uh, so I think this depends on what level you're at. Uh, I think I think this is there's a there's a big variance uh, between athletes that are games level athletes and athletes that are you know semis level athletes and then athletes who are recreational athletes or athletes you know maybe just competing at quarters for fun or hoping to make quarters. I mean, you know, a, a, a lot of this depends on how where you prioritize your season. Um, and, and what ultimately is your goal, if your goal is to make the CrossFit games in, in, in your, you know, Ricky Garrard, right. Um, or I, I should, I, you know, I guess everything's out the window now at the whole you know, not mountain biking accident, but, um, in general, so there you go. Don't, don't do jumps on, on a mountain bike. I just got to be a top three athlete at the games. Um, but in general, right, that, that ilk or, or that level of athlete Uh, is looking at several different things. You're looking at uh, compensation. You're looking at at travel. You're looking at where it lines up in the CrossFit season. And we've seen uh, really, really good athletes do too many competitions at the beginning of the season and have it affect them negatively leading into the CrossFit Games. I'm not going to name names, but we've seen that over the years. Um, So, you know, for my athletes that are games-level athletes, it, it's it's really thinking about, OK, where can I make the most money and uh, where is the travel not going to affect me long term so that I don't lose it out on a ton of training? Mm. Um, so that's that's the way I'm looking at it at, at high level. Um, I'll I'll I guess I mean, I could answer for all, but I think it's interesting to have everyone's perspective. So I'll, I'll stay kind of at the that, that games level. But that's what you're looking at as a games level athlete. Um, I think that the two big things: compensation, and then um, you know, looking at it from a, from a travel perspective of trying to make sure that it fits in your schedule so that you can still maintain a flow uh, as far as your training is concerned.
2: Yeah, I'll I'll uh, maybe I'll kind of take the middle there. So we've kind of talked about the the athlete that's you know maybe they're an open participant. There, there may be quarterfinals, but they don't maybe necessarily take quarterfinals super seriously, um, that, that type of athlete can probably compete in the offseason a little bit more frequently. Again, because we know like their season isn't very long. Dakota, you touched on that. Um, and then, you know, if the other end of that is the, the games athlete, then somebody kind of in between there, maybe they're a quarterfinals athlete that's bubble semis or th- that's like maybe a, a long shot goal for them. Um, that's, that's when you really start to make that transition as far as like for that athlete, their off season training is probably really, really important because that's probably the athlete that has some holes that are keeping them from kind of maybe getting over that hump, Let you know, let, it could be strength. It could be aerobic capacity, it could be skill, whatever it might be that their off season training is really, really important. So having the time to actually put into their training, a long-term progression in their off season to develop a base or to improve on whatever that hole is for them. That's keeping them from, from, you know, getting over the hump to that next level is really important. And, you know, we we all know that competing, you usually, if you have a hole, competing, isn't going to be the way to get better at it. It's going to be to train truly train. Um, So you know, if you have those holes, you have to allow for yourself to have a, a nice progression in the off-season to really work on it and, and develop it. So for, for that person, maybe they need to start looking at, let's, let's not look at as many of the kind of local-type competitions. Let's see if there's some of these bigger off-season competitions, whether that's Wadapalooza trying to qualify as intermediate or, or RX, or, you know, something along those lines that you can now kind of structure your off-season training progression around those things as almost practice for your season, right? You could, you could say uh, something that happens in November is is a good timeframe, just for example, where we can have like a summer off-season training progression, an early fall pre-competition phase. And then that would be like a good practice for, them to get some, some competition in the off season. Um, but yeah, the frequency there, you definitely want to cut down a little bit, um, so that you're giving yourself just time to work on those things that you need to get better at.
0: Yeah. I would say before we move on, I don't want to add too much to it, but the one caveat to this is that I've seen, and maybe this is just kind of like some of the level of athletes that I have a, a lot of conversations with that are like really trying to be competitive. They're trying to get to a semifinals level. They've gone to quarters a couple of times. They take training really seriously and they do all of the right things. I almost found that we got to this point of saying like, Oh my God, uh, this person's on, on, an Olympic cycle, like they've been training three or four years, and they've never competed in anything. And so I think that's where it backfires is when you get so focused on training in the long term that you actually have no competition experience. And the biggest hole in your game is your ability to stand next to nine other people and compete. And so I think that's when it goes backwards, where it's like, okay, like, your training might be best served sometimes competing because you're going to learn what that extra gear is like. You're going to learn that there's a difference between pacing for multiple pieces in a training session and going out on the floor and competing and trying to burn it down a little bit. And and I think it takes away some of the competition anxiety, whereas when you when you put every competition on this pedestal as the most important competition you've ever done, then it can be really easy to fall into a trap of performance anxiety.
1: I think to piggyback off of um, both what Casey and Kiefer just said, and it kind of, it kind of ties in, is for that level athlete. I think um, taking a look uh, prior to the season or prior to the competition year, and and prioritizing one or two events where you can get a good block of training in, and then that's your and then that's your barometer. That right there is preparing you and letting you know if what you're doing is correct. It's also helping you gain experience. Um, you know, and there's no substitute for experience in competitions. Um, so, so I think, you you know, that, that kind of, um, takes what you guys both have said and, 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 um, allows you now to be able to, to really prioritize your training, but then have something at the end of that to be able Mm -hmm. to now test yourself. And then there was one thing I didn't think about, which is, which doesn't apply as much now, but I think it will in the future. Um, if you're looking at it from the, from the professional perspective and and those that are professional athletes, the year that there were the sanctionals, um, there were a lot of athletes who were looking at the season very differently. They weren't prioritizing the CrossFit Games; they were prioritizing being a professional athlete and making as much money as possible. And if that's the case, then signing up for five to seven competitions where you can make a hundred plus thousand dollars a year makes complete sense. And it doesn't necessarily make sense to prioritize the games. So you know, it, it does it does make a difference depending on what the schedule looks like. And I do think that eventually, when when the sport continues to professionalize and continues to be more professionalized, that we're going to see those more and more of those type of competitions, I hope anyway, pop up for athletes to make money. And I think you're going to see a lot of athletes who prioritize those competitions as much or more than the games, because that's a phenomenal opportunity for them to make a living as an athlete.
0: Stroke is antsy. He wants this question answered. How long do I need to follow a program? Follow any program before I can determine if it's working.
1: How long, how long for Shroka has been about a week on each one that he's no. on. <laughs> Shroka
0: has been working with the same coach for a long time. He's uh, he works hard. Uh
2: yeah, I mean, I, that it's kind of hard to give a, a direct answer to that. It probably kind of depends on what your training age is, what your background is. Uh, kind of again, we're we're talking about these levels of athletes. What what are you really training for? What's what's your what's your goal? Um, you know, someone that's someone that's more novice in CrossFit, especially, it doesn't matter what pr- program you follow, you're going to get better. You could, you could follow a different program every single week and you're going to continue getting better no matter what, cause you're, cause you're just novice. Uh, Wild zombie, <laughs>
0: we need a sticker of Kotler's head, preferably screaming from the, from the crowd. You need that shiny head and that fresh beard Everybody will buy that cigarette. Anyway, yeah. Go back, Casey.
2: Cool. Now you're good. Um, but you know, for, for someone that's more experienced, that has several years of training under their belt, it's it it, it takes months for if a program is being structured in, with long term progression in mind, mm-hmm. it takes months to see. It should take months to see if a if a program is going to work, um, because at that at that stage, if if you do have a relatively large training age. Pro- progress only happens very incrementally anyway. So, um, if you're not giving time for the progressions to really work for you and, and see and appreciate those small little gains, whatever they may be, um, then yeah, you may be inhibiting your progress by never giving any mm-hmm. of those things time to actually work. So I'm, I, I don't think there's a number for some people. It could be a year for some people. It could be six months. Um, you know, it just, it just kind of depends on what level they're at.
0: I run into this in having conversations with people about it, about our program specifically even, right? And the easiest answer that I've given is, is that people should give it at least a full cycle. So say that's a 12-week cycle, right? I think it's unfair to make it a determination on whether or not something is working until you've finished that block of training because it's really hard to look at one week uh, or it's really easy to look at one week and get anxious that it's different than what you're used to doing. Like maybe you're used to just doing three or four Metcons a day and you go to a program that's structured with skill development work and monostructural conditioning work and lifting, and maybe you get a Metcon, but the whole day looks like much less sexy than you're used to. Like you have to see that through and appreciate the results you get to be able to understand what's happening in that process. And I think that that's really hard for just an athlete to do, um, because they're not inside of our heads. And so that's where some of the education and the notes and everything come into it. But if you don't at least finish entire cycle to see your point A to point B progress, then you haven't given it a chance to determine whether or not that system is working for you at all.
2: My dog, my dog agrees. (laughs) I thought that was a baby.
1: I was like, is it a baby or a dog? (laughs) Um,
2: What's, what's the difference really?
1: Yeah. I don't have too much to add uh, other than, I would I would uh, say, dependent upon times of the year as well. You're going to see differences in the program, and and mm-hmm. so I think a lot of people, if you jump in on a on a program. And and it's during you know semis or it's off season or whatever. There's going to be a different flow. Um, I'm m- more along the lines of of creating consistency um, for a longish time. I would I for me it, it's more like I, I would I would try to stick with something for a season mm-hmm. because you're going to see the the ins and outs and flows of the different cycles depending on when the, on on what's occurring in the season, and and you'll get a really good idea. Um, of of the program and 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 how it fluctuates and the and the different ideas um, behind it. If you stick with it for a season, it's hard. If it's just. You know, for eight weeks or even twelve weeks, it's because the season flows so differently at different times. So that would be my suggestion. Um, and I, but I think we can all agree that you know that there has to be a level of consistency for a period of time um, to to really you know determine whether or not you know you're, you're th- that's right for you.
0: Next one, yeah. ready for it?
3: Let's go.
0: Okay. Casey, how old are you? I'm
2: thirty. You're thirty. Mm. I can't believe I'm older than you, Kiefer, I think
3: you're the only one that's going to be able to answer this question. Then, <laughs> what do you mean? Just Justin can answer it with twenty years worth of experience.
0: Uh, tips on avoiding burnout for competitors above the age of thirty-four.
3: I'll just say it's tough for me to answer this one. Um, you know the why not? The, you co- you coach masters. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the age bracket that uh, you know I'm in doesn't apply. But the uh, you know the age bracket that I primarily coach you know Debbie in uh, in particular Shannon a couple others as well that are in that you know Masters category um, you know Debbie's got unlimited unstoppable energy and so doesn't apply to her. Right.
0: There's I <laughs> no uh... but
3: but on on a serious note um no there there needs to be uh you know a little bit of balance there you know in terms of like burnout specifically you know the the program length is a little bit. Um, a little bit dialed back it's a little bit more particular i think we talked about this when we were doing the legends uh competition in terms like how we program throughout the you know the day and the week kind of focusing more so on skill blocks or like block training at a time instead of just throwing everything all at once um and and that's been a little bit more successful for us um but also having uh, the beeping, I know it's killing oh me Oh my gosh. Because I didn't hear it until whoever had said it the first time. And now every time it's like punching the side of the face. The side of the face. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's monitoring it and managing it with a little bit more uh, rest and uh, purpose for every session. Instead of just like grinding through every single one and and saying, look, I got the volume done. I got the volume done. Or at least I, I finished what, what uh, you know, the whole program was. It's uh, potentially having a little bit more. Uh, restraint sometimes so that the burnout doesn't add up as much. And then, uh, you know, vacations. Mm.
0: Yeah. I would say I feel like just focusing on quality of training uh, instead of the quantity of it and not stressing quite so much about intensity and knowing that because you're an older athlete in general because you probably have other outside life stressors because of all of these things, your, your intensity is going to ebb and flow naturally as well your time in the gym. And so just going in and being able to focus on what you can control, checking the boxes for the day and knowing that like, you're going to have high, high days and you're going to have low, low days. And most of them are going to sit right in the middle, um, makes it a lot less stressful. I think that my assumption is that a lot of athletes, 35 and older that are competing in CrossFit come from a very competitive athletic background where they have that kind of that competitive side to them and they really, they, uh, they just, they want to push all the time. And so it's so easy to want to like get the most out of everything and be pissed off if things don't go well. But I think the older you get, the more, uh, the more empathy you have to have for like yourself and your scenario and know that like, Some days you don't got it and 70% is much better than 0%. And it's not worth banging your head against the wall, trying to do things that just aren't there. And so I think that makes the training process more fun. And I think that that's a big part of avoiding burnout for an older athlete is like not putting so much stress on yourself every day.
1: I think to, to piggyback off that, I think there were some great points there. Um, the thing that I want to focus on just because it's such a reality for, uh, I wouldn't say everyone, but the majority of us, you know, that are that are over 34, 35 plus um, is is the recovery aspect and the sleep aspect because of responsibilities, kids, work, et cetera. The, the reality of the situation is that above 35 plus, right, the compensation tends to be much less than it is for the open division. Um, the reality of it being a full-time job, is now no longer the case. Um, you know, and so at, at the end of the day, you know, your recovery is so important and listening to your body, waking up, you know, if you, if you're coming off a two hour sleep, because, you know, you had two kids that were sick and, you know, you, you, you weren't able to, to, to rest. You weren't able to recover and you're trying to go in and and take a look at the program. And, you know, you got heavy back squats and you got this and you got that. It's a recipe for disaster. Um, so ultimately, you know, cutting yourself a little bit of a break, uh, and listening to your body, the ability to remain consistent as a master's athlete is imperative to success. And the problem is, is that we see heightened injuries. and, And a lot of that comes from the, 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 the lack of recovery and the inability to recover because we, you know, at the end of the day, because of the lack of sleep and then not listening to the body and then pushing it past what it's really capable of doing. Um, And I think ego gets in the way a lot when it comes to that. You know, you think about what you were able to do 10 years ago and and it makes you pissed off. Um, But, but the truth of the matter is, if you want to have longevity as a master's athlete, then you've got to wake up every day and almost take each day independently from the day before, because you could have felt awesome the day before. And then the next day you wake up and you fucking feel terrible. Um, And that's the reality of the situation. And I think you have to be in touch with yourself so much more because when you're 18, 19, 20 years old, there are certain things you can get away with that you can't get away with. And that's not to say you should treat your body like shit when you're 18 to 20, you want to develop championship habits, but it's so important once you, once you're 34 plus, and I think it's just remembering to cut yourself a break and some days you're going to have it. And some days you're not going to have it. And you've got to make sure you're listening to yourself so that you can create longevity and consistency.
2: Uh, yeah, I'll just add a couple quick things to that. And Justin, I was going to say the same exact thing that the, the difference in the focus that you have to put on recovery the older you get, it's, I mean, we, we all feel it, the older we get every single year, if you can feel that change happening. Um, And I think probably maybe part of the problem is that at this point, there are people that are 38 that have been doing CrossFit since they were 25 potentially. Right. And so the way that they behaved when they were 25, whether it's the training that they could manage or the way that they could recover, maybe without making it a, a big focus you have to change somewhere in that time frame, one or the other. So I think what that comes back to potentially for some people is really, really looking at what their intent and their purpose is. And, you know, I know the question is, is worded as competitors, but you have to really ask yourself, is that truly what your intent and purpose is with your training at this point still? Because so I know a lot of people who when they were 27, 28, 29, didn't have kids, could train multiple times a day and eat right, yada, yada, yada. They were competitors and they maybe transition their lifestyle into I'm now a parent. I have a, a more important job that I have to focus on. Um, you know, the, whatever those changes are, they continue feeling like they need to train the same way that they did when they were 27 and they were a competitor, but they're not actually trying to build their life or create the habits that a competitor needs to have to handle that workload. And it's, uh, you have a, a lot of people can have a very hard time seeing that there can be value in training and fitness that doesn't look the same as it did when they were a competitor. And that's all they have to kind of really compare to or look at because that for them was the prime of who they were as an athlete or, or however they related to fitness. So I think you really have to look at what's my intent, what's my purpose, am I still a competitor, am I still an athlete or should I now be focused on training for the sake of health, longevity, vitality, whatever, whatever independence. Um, and what do those two things look like? And the other, only other thing I was going to add was, uh, get a coach that can tell you those things of like, should you take a day off? Should you be working hard now? Should you take it easy? You know, have a, a coach or have somebody who can give you that feedback because sometimes it's hard for the super competitive driven person to th- that's, that's always been able to, you know, have that mental toughness or push through those tired days to say, okay, actually long-term, it's going to be better for me to take the day off because I only got two hours of sleep last night. I'm going to take a rest day so that I can live to fight another day. Sometimes having somebody else to tell you those things mm-hmm. just helps to, to validate it.
0: I like it. All right. We dug that one to the ground. Jordan Wilson put a couple in the comments that uh, they're right up Casey's programming alley. I want to start on the zone two one. How important is zone two work and how often do your athletes do it in the off season? I like this one because I f- have uh, strong feelings about this and the way that some people use it. So Casey kick it, kick it off for us.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess just to answer the question directly, it's really important and call it what you want. I, I, I think, you know, we, it's really easy to use the term zone two and think that there's, you know, something, super, super special about it. It's, it's an easy aerobic, sustainable work, um, that, that puts you within that heart rate range that you're able to have a conversation, but you're still breathing a little bit. Um, there's, there's many benefits that it has. We could go on and on about, you know, just developing the aerobic system, training the body, how to ha- manage and deal with fatigue, um, blood flow for the sake of recovery, lymphatic flow for the sake of recovery. Um, so it's, it's important to have that implemented in your training in some way, shape or form. Um, and you know, I, I look at it as all of my athletes, whether they're a competitor or they're just someone that's training for the sake of fitness and vitality, um, do quote zone two work in some capacity almost all year long because, uh, it is just the best way to either develop the aerobic system for, for long durations um, or to aid in the recovery process for the other work that they're doing throughout the rest of the week. Um, so yeah, I, important. Yes, absolutely. One time to two times per week, depending on who the individual is, uh, what their training load is, what their frequency is.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel, I feel like, uh, it's always like, The second Matt came out, Frazier came out and said that he did 90 minutes of zone two work three times a week, everybody thought that that was the ticket and that's what they needed to do. Correct. But what they don't realize is that most people, if they took four and a half hours a week to do zone two work, they wouldn't actually do any CrossFit anymore and they're not going to get better at CrossFit. Maybe if they did in the off season, maybe they're building the base that they need for it. Two, very few of us could go from zero minutes of it to sitting on the bike for 90, 90 minutes without your ass going totally numb on it. And three, like there's a pretty significant muscle fatigue component of that that goes into it where half the people doing zone two aren't even in zone two because they can't pedal fast enough for that to be relevant on the bike because they just get tired doing it. And so I feel like it, uh, the idea of sitting on a C2 bike for 45 minutes or more and be like, Oh, I'm going to get fitter by doing this really easy thing is exactly the opposite of what we want people to think of. It's like, Yes, it's easy relative to the high intensity that we're looking at in CrossFit, but there's still an effort being put forth. And so I've had this conversation with some of my younger athletes that we work with where like, they almost have to earn the right to do Zone 2 work. And so we do a lot more sort of closer to what would be threshold intervals, whether that's rowing, running, uh, you know, skiing, biking, all of those things, to the point where you've actually developed some capacity on the machines. So now if we sit on it for 45 or 60 minutes straight, there's something relevant Being gotten out of that, whereas you otherwise probably get more and you still get the aerobic benefits, but you also get a little bit of intensity from doing 500 meter repeats on the rower for 10 sets with a minute of rest, which is not zone two by any means, but you're going to develop aerobic fitness through that, that overall body of work. And you're actually going to get a little bit better on this machine. Whereas sitting on the bike, like texting on your phone while you pedal at 90 Watts is not going to get you there. So is it important? Yes, probably at a, to an increasing degree, the higher level you get at and the more time you have for training and the bigger your total body of work is. But there are probably boxes to check along the way, I guess, is what I would – is like my add to that, right?
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. I kind of feel like it's you, you need to earn it. Um, and I, it was funny. There's a, a buddy of mine in Australia who, who put a, a video out talking about <laughs> – everyone talking about zone two zone two zone two and he was just like you don't understand he's like you know everyone's looking at these top crossfitters the best in the world talking about doing zone two they have all they have all learned the ability to suffer they're so fit and and they're they're so good at suffering and they're so good at at you know uh the the glycolytic phase that you know that that Eight to 15 minutes where they they're, you know, where they've done so much of that to develop fitness mm-hmm. that that they've earned their their zone to. That now they're you know looking to that long aerobic. But at the end of the day, as a competitor, um there's so few events when you look a- along the year that that line up to that. And so yes, it's helping you build your aerobic capacity. But, but what's going to be more important, you know, 95% of the time, um, is, is developing that range of, you know, five to 18 minutes of, of being able to, to, you know, m- move at, at a, at a pace that's definitely not zone two, and that, uh, uh, it increases your ability to, to suffer. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it, it, to put it bluntly, um, and, uh, and so I think. Like, like Kiefer said, when Matt came out with that, and then, you know, Hinshaw talked a lot about it, it's just become like the new in vogue thing to do. Um, You know, but, but at the end of the day, if you, if you want to talk to the best CrossFitters in the world and, and the, what they've spent their most time doing to develop their fitness um, it's, it's the, the classic, you know, time domains that we see in, in a lot of the, in most of the CrossFit workouts that we do, you know, on a daily basis.
0: And if you haven't read it, Casey wrote a good bit on his Instagram that we just reposted to the underdogs Instagram today about interval work. And that kind of like, hopefully to tie this up and answer the question of where we're saying that middle ground is, is talks a lot about the intervals, sort of that threshold level of intensity, getting better on machines and how that will help you a little bit on both ends of the spectrum there. And I think that that's probably like if you're telling somebody that has done very little conditioning at all, they just do class programming where they, could, where they could find a lot of benefit. I feel like if you only have one or two sessions of 30 to 60 minutes a week, you probably get more bang for your buck there. If you're a competitor that's looking to get to a next level and you're doing a lot of the right things, Zone 2 is probably something that can help push the needle for you quite a bit if you haven't been doing a lot of long aerobic stuff a couple times a week. Next programming one. We'll let Dakota take a rip if he's uh if his uh if his, if his, his little beefers Yeah, no,
3: I uh, I was just letting it sit on mute as long as possible. Uh, cool. next, no, I, next one. Let's jump uh, to the next one we'll
0: get you. What is the next? All right, all right, all right. Uh it's also from Jordan Wilson. These are good oh, questions. Okay. Cool. Uh what's your approach on programs uh that program high intensity and high volume workouts all year round? So thoughts on kind of cycling these things in as it becomes time versus just hitting high intensity, high volume all the time.
3: Yeah, uh, actually, this is good because this was going to tie into what I was saying, going to about zone two, which is repeatability versus sustainability. You know, I have a couple mm-hmm. athletes that are talking to me about, uh, you know, wanting to do longer cardio sessions because they feel like they're getting tired throughout workouts or, or um, you know, having fall off in workouts. And I think this is good for the high volume aspect of things, which is progression, You know you can't just go from zero minutes to the 90 minutes like you said it's you know doing chunks of time and and for right now it's uh one of my athletes that's concerned with gymnastics volume right and so it's not saying okay here's a 50 rep chunk in a workout it's breaking it down into smaller chunks and smaller intervals and then starting to have that progressive overload right Right. finding different uh combinations where instead of you know three sets of ten, you go to six sets of five, and then five sets of six, and then you know changing the time domain of rest. So now you're completing those thirty reps in a smaller time frame, and then you know going back through the the final piece of it, right, which is going to be the testing and retesting. Um, um, and so that's that's kind of what I've been working right now with a few of my people, which is showing them the structure because they want to see it they, they want to see okay where am i at and where am i going and and literally it's okay we're going to start with this rep range and we're just going to slowly increase it and slowly cut back the rest and that's also how you change the intensity right those are one of the things that we can change you know change the weight change the time domain change the intensity but time domain and intensity typically have the direct reflection off of each other um mm-hmm. and so Right now, you know, for most of us that are in the off season, it's slowly building as much volume as we can, not worrying that much about intensity. And we're going to slowly start to tip the scales, you know, depending what competitions are coming up or um, where our levels are at. And the intensity can increase and the volume goes down a little bit. Uh, something's going on with that audio. Is that huge, uh, Dakota, still? No, it was like um, almost like a low humming
2: sound. <laughs> Someone's phone was ringing, I think. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. Um,
3: but yeah, that kind of, that you know, is my thought on it initially. Um, you know, it's a year. If, if you're thinking about it throughout the year, you know, you're thinking those slow chunks. You know, I, I always thought about it when I was playing college sports. They talk about a four-year progression. You're not going to be the pro athlete in in your first year um you're not going to go 30 ring muscle ups just because you can do one or two um and so we're just starting to build that i'm gonna mute this because it's killing me yeah. <laughs> we'll
0: let casey take over for yes i know yeah, yeah, what
3: zombie. Yeah, yeah. it's the smoke <laughs> detector we all know it's me it's me everybody can point to me, and talk about me in the comments <laughs>
1: uh, i actually think it's kind of funny so there's uh, a little bit of comic relief during this uh during this thing.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, I think Dakota, I'm pretty much answered it there that like, if you, again, we've, I kind of touched on this earlier too. If you have weak areas, just training them in intensity or trying to train them in volume that you're not capable of, isn't probably going to help you. Um, I mean, I guess it's, it's kind of broad, a broad question also. Um, You know, my, my assumption is that we're talking about a templated program, um, which you know we know the limitations of a templated program is that a lot of times the approach that they take is if that you can't really create an archetype of who you're trying to provide the program for. So then what you default to is that you put everything in there and as much of it as you possibly can. And there's going to be a percentage of people at the top that they'll do well no matter what. There's going to be some people in the middle that progress for a little while and then probably either plateau or burn out. And there's going to be people that can't even handle it for the first month that they're doing it. So they stop, um, which I think is probably the, one of the best things, shameless plug, the best thing about underdogs programs is that we've tried to create as many levels as we can. And in kind of our, our broadest programs, like the, the RX program, we try to help with that finding where you need to spend your volume and spend your time based on your reflection of what your weaknesses are by providing additional work for skill development or additional work Mm -hmm. for aerobic development or, or strength development. Whereas some programs, again, if, if they, just feel like they need to be providing as much as they possibly can so that you just hit on everything all the time, then that's what you get. You get these programs that every single day is multiple strength pieces, multiple Metcons, multiple skill sessions, because you're not able to say who is it that we're trying to program this for. Um, And so then it kind of just is like, let's just put in as much as we can and hope that hope that something sticks for some people. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and we, uh, so again, we know what the limitation of that is, is that a lot of people that are following a templated program, they're probably not able to create their lives around recovering uh, for, uh, from training that matches the volume of the games competitors that are plugging that programming. So they're going to, they're going to have, something's going to fall off the wagon. Eventually they're either going to get hurt or they're going to plateau, or they're just not going to be able to get all of the things in that the program is asking of them. So they're not going to be able to make progress from them anyways.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I would say like, assuming that the question is looking at, high volume and high intensity workouts as what we, what we think of as like a semifinals or off season competition or, or a CrossFit games type of workout. I think if you're doing that kind of workout all year long, then you're probably not spending any time actually training to get better for that kind of workout. So looking at that and saying, okay, in the preparation block, leading into these big competitions, like where we're at right now with our athletes that are going to semifinals. Yes. It's going to be important to get a little bit of sport practice on these kind of things. The further out you are from that, the more that that should look like like intervals or skill work or development of some sort to build the constituent pieces that make you better at that thing with some testers here and there to see where your progress is at. But if you're just doing those workouts every week, then you're never working on the components of that that are slowing you down or that are going to make you better at it.
1: You guys are good, man covered. Oh,
0: nice. Look at that.
1: Nice shirt. Nice shirt. Thanks Frank. Shitty smoke alarm. (laughs)
0: <laughs> tough, tough, but you know what? It's getting better. The room is better now. I just need the noise to get better.
2: <laughs> oh, Vinny, with a one of those. Who's He's just he referring up, to, though? I know, the, I know where I fall in that. I, Vinny and I have had many discussions about our infatuation for each other, so I know where I land in there. That's super strange. That's, you, th- you three, can <laughs> ask yourself where, where, where who's the who's the one. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I'm pretty confident and it's not me.
0: All right. One more. One more before we kick off. Okay. Justin. Where is it? When I feel lackluster, should I take an off day or just stay at 70% and still try to get something done? No other context.
1: That's (laughs) um when I feel lackluster, should I stay at 70% or take the day off? Yeah. That, that was the question. Um, I, I, th- I think, I uh, I would say if, if you've got, if there's a definitive injury or you've got a, you know, something that, that, um, you know, when you say lackluster, you know, you didn't sleep the night before or something along those lines, but if it's just, you know, general, like life fatigue and, you know, you're, you're a little bit tired or, um, then, I still think you can get benefits from training. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I don't see any reason why not. And again, that doesn't mean you have to go full throttle. Um, but just like we just talked about, you know, there, there's no reason why there aren't certain skills. Um, you know, there's no reason why there isn't machine work or intervals that you can do that where you can still improve or still work on things. Um, you're not going to feel hundred percent every day. Um, you know, there's, a, there's, there was, a, conversation i had you know with carrie um you know shortly after her career um please put that on screen moment? what did we do oh did he, did he comment make a comment okay yeah. um there was <laughs> there was a conversation i had with carrie um you know shortly after the end of her career and talked about like why you know, we were just recapping things and I think she was giving a talk or, or had a, had a, um, a podcast and she was talking about why she felt like she was so successful. And, and, you know, one of the things that she talked about was on the days that she didn't feel well, she still, <laughs> there you go. Um, she still, she, she would still get in the gym and feel like she could focus on one or two aspects of things to get better on. Um, And that, and that when somebody else might take a full day off, she was still in there getting better. And that was an advantage compared to the rest of the field. Um, And, and I think for her, you know, and and that's, that was a a huge motivating factor for her to, to know like, Hey, I don't feel my best today, but I can still get something accomplished. And I think that's important for people to understand, you know, uh, depending on what your goals are. Right. And depending on, but absolutely. I mean, if you're trying to be a competitor and, and you're trying to, and you have definitive goals that you're <laughs> trying, to, trying to reach, um, I think you've got to, I think you've got to try to, you know, even on the days you don't feel great, you keep going. <laughs> oh, okay. We're losing it now with the smoke detector. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Who uh,
2: took
1: the time? Oh my God. <laughs> That's <laughs> really good.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, Dakota, I, please
1: get it fixed before the next one. That's Dakota's nice. never coming back after that's my this. My biggest ask. <laughs>
2: um, did I'll, I
1: answer that question?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll add on a little bit if that's okay. Yeah, please. So, Justin, you kind of touched on there a little bit what I was going to say, which a lot of our questions have come back to. You have to understand what level of athlete you are. If this isn't your, if this isn't your profession, and you going in and trying to do a hard workout is going to lead to you coming home and being grumpy and not being the greatest spouse or the greatest parent or being unproductive in your work, then or getting that, hurt or getting hurt. Then yeah. t- take a day off. Like it's okay. You're not a professional athlete. You come back the next day. You'll be ready to go. If you, if you are like Justin just said, and it's let's, let's say it's this time of year where we're getting ready for semifinals four weeks from now. And you kind of just have to accept some days you're not going to be hundred percent because you're going to, you're about to do a three or four day competition where there's probably going to be a time that you're not going to be feeling hundred percent because that's what competition is. And you're going to have to ask something out of your body. So training is when you learn how to deal with that. Then uh, you know, the other thing is maybe you, the, the person needs to kind of know themselves a little bit because for some people, taking a day off leads to taking a second day off and then a third day and they get totally off for two weeks before they come back for some people. Like I I would say for myself, I, I feel like I've become the king at like I've we've had a bad day. Kids have been sick. I've been overworked elsewhere, whatever. I'll take a day off if I'm just not feeling it because I know I'll come back the next day and I can go, I can go right back into it. I don't let that time off affect me negatively. i look at it as an opportunity to just rest, get some other work done, spend some time with my family or whatever. And I can come back from that totally fine. So you have to maybe kind of know yourself a little bit of like, would uh, would going in and accepting moving at 50 to 70% or getting some skill work done or something like that, would that keep your your routine and your momentum kind of going to not totally fall off the wagon, then then maybe that's something that's beneficial for you. Uh, if if taking a day off is going to lead to you, uh, you know, like I said, taking that second, third, fourth, fifth day off, and then just saying, "Oh well, this week's a wash. I'll start back up next week" or, or whatever. Giver, Dakota. I think it's oh, good. Beat
0: into the ground. I was gonna say, my cover all usually is movement, is medicine, and doing something, even if it's just warming up, or do and like doing your warm up, which is largely mobility and just kind of getting your heart rate up, or or doing something at low intensity can be super helpful and make you feel better. And sometimes improving your mood can improve the way that uh, lackluster feeling. Sometimes you're just a you're just a curmudgeon like like JJ is JJK Jordan, um, and. Uh, but but the, but the important question to ask yourself is like, are you feeling lackluster because you haven't taken a day off in three weeks? Are you feeling lackluster because you're not sleeping or because you're working too hard? And if you can answer yes to those questions, then a lot of times you're probably better off just taking a day and regrouping so you can get back into the gym. There you go. You just got to step in the door. Once you get moving, sometimes things change. So what I'm going to do right after this podcast. I'm going to walk downstairs into my garage and do something. Me too. Do you have to go downstairs to get into your? Oh, I guess you do. Yeah. You are upstairs. Yeah. yeah.
1: There you go. I'm
2: upstairs.
0: Uh Casey, any closing thoughts for the day?
2: Oh. Uh,
0: this is your one-minute soapbox.
2: Th- no, I'm just gonna ask you guys that maybe a one-word question. If there's gonna be something new, fancy, crazy at semifinals, what do you think is gonna be? Go. Keefers. Kiefer. Sure. keeper new? Brand new? Yeah, new. Mm. There's Burpee been bar new Okay, like it, Keith or Justin.
1: I think is it if it's is it new? It it, it wasn't supposed to be new because it was Alpaca, supposed to be Alpaca in the games. Count.
0: Nope. seated legless doesn't count.
1: It does. We never saw it. It's an old, it. movement. It's no, an no old, old movement. movement. They kicked it out. It was seated. Movement. It was I'll seated legless th- with a with a legless descent. We've never seen that in competition.
2: The the jury will accept it since it's never been done in competition. Sorry, yeah. keeper. Bullshit.
1: Dakota?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, you're muted. No, we you prefer
3: mean, you Minnesota. this way, but it's hard to understand.
2: <laughs> the oh, – Smoke detector the, snatches. Yeah, yeah,
3: smoke. Yeah, ba- battery changing for time. Yeah. Um, no, I mean the. Uh, I, I like the burpee, the pullovers. You know, it, it seems like we yeah, you need your own. Well. You need an original uh, I, thought. My own um, sandbag, clean ladder for time instead of for weight. I don't know. Oh my god! Uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was trying to have
2: no answer. I was <laughs> I was doing the
3: polite thing. If you don't have something productive to say, don't say anything at all.
2: Casey, what do you think? I think the I think the seated legless too. Sorry, I'm, I'm taking your answer, but that's that would be a good one. I think, yeah.
0: I would prefer to see pegboards in semifinals. I think they belong at the semifinals level now, and then keep the seated legless for the games. I, I, I just know. hope we don't see
1: triple unders because I think that will be a judging disaster. So I I just hope we not. I hope we don't yeah. see it. Not that I don't think they're super cool, but man, oh man, I just think. You know, you spring triple unders on 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 judges that are already mediocre at best, and it's going to be a disaster at semifinals. So I hope we don't see them at semis. We might see them at the games, but I don't think. Please, not at semifinals. <laughs> all right,
0: folks, Soroka, Dakota, smoke detector. Thank you all for being here.
1: <laughs> Casey, Thanks, you're the guys. man. Thanks, bro. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, yeah. The smoke detectors. Uh,
0: until next time, this is fun, Casey. We have to have you on more. Yeah. I'd love to. Cool. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye.